0: Welcome to Creative MKE, a conversation show from Imagine MKE, where we talk to creative leaders in Milwaukee and beyond to highlight all the incredible transformative power of their work in our region. We hope that after listening to the pod, you'll be able to imagine our city's arts and culture ecosystem and all the awesome artists, organizations, and creative assets within it in a new way. I'm your host, Elizabeth Gasparca. Hey there, listeners. Elizabeth here. Thanks for joining me today on the Creative MKE podcast. I'm pretty jazzed, pun intended, about the conversation that is highlighted on the show this week. Today, you'll hear from Mark Davis, the founder, artistic director of and piano instructor at the Milwaukee Jazz Institute. Milwaukee Jazz Institute is a local nonprofit organization that seeks to promote jazz through education and performance, building awareness of this art form's ability to transform lives and strengthen our community. MJI seeks to expand and diversify the local jazz audience and create opportunities for professional and aspiring musicians. Mark Davis, my guest today, grew up in Milwaukee, coming of age and into his own as a performer, on the stages of Milwaukee's lively jazz music venues. In our conversation, Davis highlights all the opportunities for learning, experiencing, and playing jazz music that are available to people of all ages through the MJI, along with some of their partners in the community. Davis also speaks to Milwaukee as a community with a rich history of jazz music performance, highlighting some of the important venues and figures, many of them now gone, including Milwaukee's storied Jazz Oasis, Excitingly, Davis also highlights the fact that Milwaukee still has about 30 venues that actively present jazz music, a pretty significant representation for a small city. Davis also name drops an incredible range of jazz artists who have worked or lived in Milwaukee in our conversation. We also touched on what is unique about jazz as a form of music, how it has a strong emphasis on individuality, and how the tradition of jazz music and performance can help people communicate and be in community despite differences. If you appreciate this conversation and want to support more conversations like it, highlighting and memorializing Milwaukee's arts and culture scene, please support the show. You can show your support by sharing an episode with a friend, liking posts about the episode, or subscribing on your preferred podcast platform. Also be sure to follow and like Imagine MKE on social and subscribe to our newsletter. I hope you'll follow along as we continue the work of advocacy on behalf of arts and culture in Milwaukee, and in the meantime, showcasing the excellence of the arts and culture scene here. Listen on to hear my conversation with Mark Davis of Milwaukee Jazz Institute after the break. Welcome, Mark.
1: Hi, Elizabeth.
0: Nice to have you here on Creative MKE. Really excited to speak with you about Milwaukee Jazz Institute. But before we get started with our conversation, I just want to invite you to tell our listeners a short story of an arts experience, music experience, maybe, that left a strong imprint on you.
1: I think musicians always have a lot of, you know, different influences and people that Were important to them and led them to where they are, and so um, you know I I certainly have lots of people and experiences that I can can think about. But I I had a mentor in Milwaukee, uh, David Hazeltine, incredible pianist. Uh, He he moved out to New York City in the early nineties, so he he's been living there and he has a very successful career as a jazz pianist. And a lot of people in Milwaukee know Dave Dave Hazeltine. But I met him when I was a teenager and and studied with him. For three years and so that had had a big impact on me and and he he really took me under his wing uh, he used to take me around to record stores mm. and he would take me to different jazz clubs uh, in fact i, I remember specifically a, a time i was 16 years old i had been studying with him for a year this is in the mid 80s and he took me to the jazz oasis mm. which is a jazz club that was on holton street the building's still there it's a um it's recently been renovated as a real estate Hmm. agency. Um, I think it's called McKenna. And, uh, but it was in the, you know, back in the day, it was um, a jazz club and right in the, in the middle of the city, in the inner city. And he took me there and with, I think we were along with Gerald Cannon, who's a great bass player that's from here, you know, and, and took me into the club and had me sit in with the band. Wow. And the, the owner was Lee Foster, Leroy. And uh, it was a fun experience as a kid. You know, and it had a big impact on me to to be able to go into a you know professional jazz club and sit in with the band. And and and, and shortly thereafter the the owner leaves, started calling me for gigs there. So Amazing. I uh, started playing there on the weekends. And so that that's that's something I I appreciate a lot of things about my teachers that I've had, but Dave Hazeltine was definitely a significant one for me.
0: Wow. That's really, really fun to picture being a sixteen-year-old and being called upon to jump in with professional musicians on stage, I'm sure that took your interest in jazz just to the next level.
1: I mean, right now we're thinking that's almost 40 years ago, which seems wow. a little crazy to me. Um, you know, and so there were a lot of musicians around at that time who are, are not lo- no longer with us. You know, people like um, Haddish Alexander was a great tenor pl- saxophone player and Melvin Ryan, a great, great o- organ player. <laughs> who had played with Wes Montgomery and, and many others. So just to be kind of, you know, thrown into that mix was very impactful. And, and to be around players that were of that level. Mm. And when I was coming up, I think I didn't realize, well, I mean, they seemed incredible, like the best in the world to me. Mm-hmm. But it was later that I found out, yeah, they, they really were.
0: Wow. It sounds like Milwaukee you know, truly had a really rich jazz scene as you were as you were growing up. And I just think that's interesting because the region is known, I would say, primarily for blues music and, you know, perhaps in this day and age for indie music and rap. But tell us a little bit about, paint a picture for our listeners of what the Milwaukee jazz scene was like in the 80s.
1: Well, you know, I think Milwaukee has, has always had a very strong jazz scene. I mean, uh, a friend of mine, a a great trumpet player, Jamie Brevik, who I work with uh, regularly, uh, he and I do a lot of research into jazz in Milwaukee. And and Mm. he's been looking back at some of the old newspaper articles and whatnot and, you know, finding, you know, these articles and ads for people like Billie Holiday and Louis Armstrong who were performing here in Milwaukee in the 1940s and into the 50s. You know everybody you can think of: Duke Ellington, mm-hmm. Miles Davis. Everybody was here. Charlie Parker. So it's always had a very vibrant history. You know, very vibrant scene. Mm. I think in part because we're close to Chicago, it was a stop that, that where people could come up here. Mm-hmm. And uh, but when I when I came up, um, you know, in the in the eighties, uh, you know, when I say came up, I mean you know, in sort of my formative years. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, there were definitely um, you know a lot of really high level players around here and it was it, it was a good place to, to come up because you know it was it's a place where you can get involved with the music you can you can play it you can people are accessible and you can really learn a lot and mm-hmm. uh, I think that, I think that's true today. I mean some of those people I mentioned are no longer with us but we have others who are you know still here and young musicians as well as some of the older musicians, Manti Ellis is sort of our link to the past Mm. uh, because he's a a great uh, mentor to many of us, an incredible jazz guitarist and educator. He just turned 90 years old. We had a birthday party for him just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we'd love to get together with Manti and just listen to his stories Mm. about all the people he performed with. And he's just, he has so many great stories.
0: Mm. So I guess what stands out to me from what you were sharing was the idea of the jazz oasis and these jazz venues that maybe attracted artists to pass through Milwaukee. And today, the landscape looks a little bit different. Can you speak to what are some of the current hubs of jazz music in Milwaukee today in 2023?
1: There's still a lot of really great players here. And and um, I'm I'm really you know, honored to be able to work with all these great local players and and there's also a great crop of young players coming up. A lot of people who are in their twenties and thirties coming up that are really into this music and playing it well. So I feel very positive about our scene and the musicians that we have. You know, we always want more opportunities to perform and, and venues and and things come and go. And I think we're not necessarily at a bad place right now. There's a lot of places that are featuring music. Mm -hmm. I I recently made a list of venues in our area that feature jazz. And I I came up with over 30 places. Wow. That doesn't mean they're specifically jazz clubs that have music every night, but there's, you know, I came up with that many that do feature jazz on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really, really a good thing. and something we can really build on. And, um, you know, I'm fortunate to be really busy as as a lot of my colleagues are performing virtually every night of the week, most nights of the week, and, um, and doing a lot of teaching as
0: well. Well, I would love to include that list in our links. For listeners, I think that would be fantastic. All right. Well, Mark, please draw a line for us from the 16-year-old who got to join in at the Jazz Oasis, the group of adult jazz musicians, to forming and leading the Milwaukee Jazz Institute. Tell us about your trajectory.
1: Well, I've I've spent most of my time here in Milwaukee. You know, I, I went away to college in the late 80s and then came back in 1990 and have spent, um, I was an art major in college. I didn't major in music, but I was practicing a lot, you mm-hmm. know, seven hours a day at least. And when I got back, I started doing a lot of performing and teaching And I've been involved with a lot of, a number of different institutions over the, over the years and teaching and part of different programs. And we sort of reached a point, it was in late 2019, where we, we reached a point where we decided we really needed to form a new organization, an organization that would focus specifically on this music, jazz. And, and that's what we did. We formed it in November of 2019 and uh, we were fortunate to get our 501c3 nonprofit status very uh, soon later. We got it in February of 2020, of course, just in time for the pandemic. <laughs> so we initially had been doing in-person classes and ensembles that we're teaching, you know, as we were first getting started. And then, of course, when the pandemic hit, things changed. So we started doing a lot of online courses and classes, mm-hmm. workshops. Our our faculty were were teaching um Jazz history and appreciation classes, Mm. jazz theory classes, you name it. I mean, vocal classes, instrumental classes, all kinds of stuff. We also did a number of series that were free to the public, which we Mm. called the Jazz Circle. And so it was despite, you know, everything that was going on in the world, it was a very interesting time for us. And we started attracting people from all over the place, Mm. you know, definitely a lot of local people, but we were getting people tuning in from, you know... Europe and wow. I, I'm trying to think of all the countries, Eastern Europe, you know, Puerto Rico, all kinds of different places. And it was very exciting for us to realize that we could reach so many different people in so many different places. Amazing. And of course, um, now we were able to be in person and things are, are really going well for the Milwaukee Jazz Institute. We we're teaching in-person ensembles. We have eight ensembles. We meet at the Jazz Gallery,
0: mm.
1: which is um, another historic spot in Milwaukee longtime jazz club, especially in the 70s and early 80s. Hmm. It's now a community arts space. Uh, it's on uh, Center Street in River West. So we, we hold our in-person classes there. So we have eight ensembles, and these are for youth and adults. The MJI, as we call it, is um, an organization that, that caters to all ages. Hmm. So we have four high school ensembles. Actually, one of those is a middle, middle school ensemble, and then four adult ensembles. Uh, we also continue to teach online classes and courses. We continue the jazz circle events, which are our free events. And once a month we have an open jam session on the, on the second Monday of each month, and those are really exciting. We get a lot of people coming out to play and listen. Wow. A lot of the people are very young, like in their twenties and thirties, mm-hmm. but it's all ages, it's really dynamic and exciting. We're also performing a lot and we're producing performances throughout the city. And most recently, we've been partnering with Bar Centro, okay. which is on Center Street mm. in River West. And they have a really great little spot with a, a nice piano. And mm. we've been uh, bringing in both touring groups as well as our, our own local musicians who are affiliated with Milwaukee Jazz Institute. And we're also partnering with the St. Kate Hotel. Mm. And we've started producing some concerts in their Arc Theater. Fantastic. And we did a concert with the famous jazz guitarist, Peter Bernstein and his trio, which includes Larry Goldings on B3 Oregon and Bill Stewart on drums. And we mm-hmm. brought in um, Matt Wilson, a well-known New York-based uh, drummer, with his trio over the holidays. Mm-hmm. And at Central, we've had some great people. Brian Lynch, who's a two-time Grammy Award winning trumpeter, originally from Milwaukee, and has maintained his ties here and continues to and has been spending more and more time here and involved with the Milwaukee Jazz Institute. He's been doing a number of performances uh, affiliated uh, with MJI, and we've been doing those at Bar Centro. And we also brought in Camille Thurman, a wonderful uh, tenor saxophonist, and she's also an incredible vocalist. Mm -hmm. She's worked with all kinds of people, including uh, Wynton Marsalis and the Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra. Mm -hmm. And we brought in Pasquale Grasso. I think a lot of people are excited, myself included. About last night's Grammys, and Samara Joy won the Best New Artist mm. award, and she's an incredible jazz vocalist. Uh, and the guitarist she works with, Pasquale Grasso, uh, we brought him in for a performance at Caroline's Jazz Club um, not too long ago. Fantastic. So it's been exciting to bring in these touring groups as well as featuring our, our great faculty. And we have 15 faculty members as part of MJI right now.
0: Mm. I love that bringing in, you know, outside performers and allowing them to, um, cross culturally perform with Milwaukee, Milwaukee based performers. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of interaction we have with our, you know, we, we've been doing events with our students pre- mm-hmm. before performances. So they have a chance to learn in a workshop setting or, a you know, Q and a kind of set setting. Um, and then our, our local musicians get to interact with people who are coming through mm. through the area as well. And we also are, are doing a an educational jazz festival every spring, wow. which is going to happen again uh, in May. And we we did that last year at the Hilton Hotel downtown, and we're going to do that in, in the same spot this coming year. And we're in our 29th year of uh, holding an annual summer jazz camp. Mm. And so our, our organization isn't 29 years old, but our resident ensemble, We Six, uh, has been around for a long time and members of that group have been teaching This summer camp for high school and middle school students for 29 years. Wow! And so that'll take place at Marquette University High School in June. So we're looking forward to that as well.
0: Amazing. So I want to go back, if I may, to the presenting series because it really sounds like that's what you're that's what you're doing across a bunch of different venues. Um, Is it branded as the Milwaukee Jazz Institute, or how do people learn more about the presenting series that you're undertaking in particular?
1: I encourage everybody I meet to, to. visit our website, mm-hmm. milwaukeejazzinstitute.org and subscribe to our website because we send out reminders and updates to people about performances. And sometimes they, sometimes there's not a lot of lead time because we find out about someone who's coming through town and we're able to set something up. So sometimes it's just a couple of weeks. So it's a good idea for people to subscribe and, and they can also f- see our postings on social media and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But um, that, that's the main way I think people can keep in touch w- with what we're doing. We're doing once a month uh, an MJI night at Bar Central. Okay. So it's going to be the third Saturday of every month. Fun. And that's going to get started in February. Marcia Daniil, great Milwaukee-based vocalist, will be singing. I'll be playing piano. Mm. And Sam Belton, great drummer. He's also the owner of Sam's Place, a wonderful cafe and jazz cafe. That's on MLK drive
0: mm.
1: and Jeff Hammond on base. So that's coming up, I think it's February 18th on that Saturday. And then we also, um, have some people coming in, uh, the next in March, we have Dave Bixler, a great alto saxophone player. He teaches, uh, he's a professor at Bowling green university and he's touring with his trio and, um, he's from the Racine area originally mm. uh, many years ago, but he's been in New York forever. And uh, he got in touch with us and we were able to set up a performance for him at Bar Central.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm getting ready to pull out my calendar and <laughs> take a look at everything yeah, that you, you guys come. are organizing. Sounds, sounds fantastic. Mark, if we could just kind of zoom out a little bit, I just want to know why jazz music? What about jazz music has this ability to just bring together people and... I just want to hear a little bit about your thoughts on on jazz as a form.
1: It really does have that ability. I always see it when we have our jam sessions because we have people that are from every imaginable background, different ages, you know, different backgrounds, different different economic backgrounds, everything you can think of, and people come together. I lead the session with uh, the bassist Jeff Hammond, and I I almost randomly put groups together in this jam session. We we might have mm. 30 or 35 musicians there. And I, I know most of them, but I, there's always new people that come by and some people just come to listen. But I almost just sometimes randomly put assemble groups together and you never know what you're gonna get. It could be a, a beginner playing along with a seasoned pro mm. and it, it works, you know, and everyone has fun. Everyone learns and everyone makes music. And one of the qualities of of this music is that there's a, a strong emphasis on individuality.
0: Mm.
1: You know, we could we could take um, tenor saxophone players for example. You know, uh, someone who listens to jazz can hear just a couple notes of a, of a saxophone player know that that was Coltrane, or maybe that was Sonny Rollins, or it was Clifford Jordan, or Stan Getz, or. Lester mm. young, whoever it might be, and it's something that's celebrated in this music. and it's something that even at any level we can celebrate how everyone can bring something different to the table. Mm. And um, I think it's something that that quality brings people together
0: mm-hmm. and something so interactive and and real, right that you're you're all drawing from the same structure or the same Premise, but like you said, everyone has their own voice and their own style. And I love that it sounds like, in essence, you're kind of recreating your original experience performing jazz at the Jazz Oasis for all these students and all these you know newcomers to jazz music. So that's that's fantastic.
1: It's really the tradition of the music, and um, I'm you know only using the jam session as, as an example, but it's a mm-hmm. good one and um like i say it really brings people together who maybe have different views, different backgrounds
0: mm-hmm.
1: but for a common cause
0: fantastic so i just want to remind our listeners your organization operates as a nonprofit so if someone wanted to support you know the jazz scene in Milwaukee and its continuation whether through you know helping fund classes for students or these jam sessions that you've mentioned, um, a support to Milwaukee Jazz Institute would support all of these.
1: It really does. And we we keep a very low overhead. I mean, w- one of the reasons one of our goals is to make sure that. You know, all the, all the money that comes through MJI is, you know, we, we try and get it right back into the community. And we do that in several ways. I mean, we do that through scholarships to, for students. Mm-hmm. we also try and support the local venues mm. and and because we don't own our own brick and mortar spot mm-hmm. you know we're, we're um renting from the jazz gallery and it's really a great um win-win because we're able to help support them and it gives us a great place to rehearse with a nice piano and drum set mm-hmm. and stage and and beautiful environment and the same is true when we partner with different Venues that offer music, you know, uh, Bar Central, for example, has their own music that they present. We're just coming in once in a while and doing an MJI night, mm-hmm. but it's a way to support these these venues and give them, you know, try and promote and market what they're doing, and you get and also build audiences, and that's mm. what we're trying to do.
0: I feel like that's really kind of taking hold in Milwaukee. This feeling of resourcefulness, particularly after the pandemic like this sense that organizations and small businesses were just stronger together if we recognize the things that we're trying to do that align and I love I love the concept of joining forces and the Milwaukee Jazz Gallery is one of my favorite spots it's got such good creative energy I've witnessed a jam session there I don't know if it was an MJI jam session because I can't quite recall what the timing was and I was a little too shy to jump in as a vocalist okay. at the time but maybe i'll uh, I'll put that on the calendar for the future to check out.
1: We'd love for you to come and be part of that yeah mm-hmm. i I'd, I'd encourage anyone to come and and check out the the jam session. You know oftentimes when I talk to someone who's interested in getting involved with one of our ensembles I'll encourage them just to come check out the jam session because it's mm-hmm. free. It's open to the public and they can just start kind of seeing what what other people are doing and, and getting getting a feel for the music if they're new to it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and um Or if they've been playing it, they can jump in and and play it or sing themselves.
0: So what advice would you give to a musician such as myself who's not super skilled, not super well trained, but has excitement and wants to jump in? Is it best to come prepared with sheet music? Is it best to find someone in the crowd and and tell them the songs you want to work on? Like, how would you recommend approaching jumping in?
1: That's a great question, you know, because... Jazz musicians play, you know, are familiar with music that we call standards, Mm -hmm. standard repertoire. So anybody that wants to come and they want to play, they should think about a a tune that's part of the standard jazz repertoire. You know, if they're unsure, well, what is part of the, what is the standard jazz repertoire? Because it's not a set thing. It's kind of a, you know, a, a professional jazz musician would know hundreds of songs. A student performer might know a few songs or a dozen songs, but, um. You know, someone could even Google what's a jazz standard. What are what are the top 10 <laughs> jazz standards? You know, there's a lot of lists out there, sure. which would give somebody a good idea. And for a vocalist, you know, they could they could listen to recordings, you know, mm-hmm. listen to Ella Fitzgerald or someone sing that song and and try and sing along and, and model model yourself after that person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then come and give it a try at the jam session. Everybody's friendly and, and um, welcoming and encouraging.
0: That's awesome. Sounds really fun. I'd love to hear your thoughts on why practicing jazz as a musician is so special. Like what what about the study of jazz? What does that do for individuals?
1: You know, there's a lot of different ways to a- approach studying the music, but ultimately, you know, there's you know, there's the development of someone's ear, being able to hear and listen mm-hmm. effectively. And there's also the aspect of understanding the music. Because we're doing a lot of improvisation, it, it requires really kind of understanding how the music is put together. Mm-hmm. And that can get very complex. So, some, you know, we, I, we teach, MJI teaches a jazz theory online course. Um, and we, we go through a lot of the basic elements of how this music is put together, how scales are created, what scales are used the different chords that are used how chord progressions are are put together and how musicians go about improvising. So I mean it's really a I mean it's a brain workout. You know it's mm-hmm. it's a certain kind of way of of thinking that it's it's different I think there's some aspect that's probably similar to math.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but it but it's probably different than anything else. But I think um you know studying studying this music um also leads you to interacting with other people.
0: Mm.
1: And um, that's another important element. I, I find that, like, I teach piano to a lot of students, jazz piano, and a lot of people begin their piano lessons just playing by themselves, solo, you know. But when you get to a certain point, interacting and performing with other players is, first of all, inspiring, it's exciting, and it adds a whole new dimension. And it's something that I can I think can add a, a whole whole new dimension to someone's life. A lot of my students, even some of my advanced students, have other careers. Mm. They're adult students who are actively involved with some other unrelated career, but music is something that they continue to work at, learn mm-hmm. about and and practice.
0: The phrase that comes to mind, as you're saying that is is problem solving. And for better or for worse, my mind is going to Instagram, and those like hilarious snippets on Instagram of jazz musicians performing with like a howling dog or right. a cat that's like, you know, just tentatively pressing on keys uh-huh. on a piano. And th- those are so darling, but it really showcases what you're describing, right? There's this this kind of curiosity and it, let's say an empowered curiosity that jazz musicians can perform with, right? Because they understand the underlying structure of the music that they're, that they're that they're playing within. I mean, really when I say play, I'm thinking of play like like fun play. Right. Uh, So I I think
1: the element of improvisation is is really important. And it's something that we all do in our daily lives to some extent we improvise. Mm -hmm. You know, we when we talk to a friend, we don't have a script. We're improvising. So every person has some experience with improvisation. But being involved with musical improvisation, we really have to look for opportunities. Like you say, if a cat walks across the keys, <laughs> we've seen those videos where someone creates a song out of it. So anything we hear or anything we recognize, we can try and find something in that that we find positive or that we mm. can pull out and mm-hmm. make it something that that could be beautiful.
0: Awesome. Well, Mark, this is such a treat to chat with you about Milwaukee Jazz Institute, and I certainly am very curious and excited to explore more. But we need to wrap up our conversation here so. I'm just going to throw one more important question to you before I let you go. As a guest on the Creative MKE podcast, for the next couple minutes, you are going to step in as Milwaukee's imaginary leader of arts and culture, and your tenure only lasts for the duration of the show. So with that information, what is the first priority or policy that you would pass? Oh,
1: wow. So I can, I can do anything I want? Yeah. That's funny. I think, you know, the thing that I would love to see is that every, every student, every child in our schools has the opportunity to start a musical instrument Mm. because I think that would have a huge impact on our society, even if they don't stick with it, if they have that experience and many of them would. So I, I, I'm still, you know, as many of us are a strong advocate for music in the schools, and I'd, I'd love to see that, cont- you know, continue to increase. And we've seen, you know, back, you know, things decline at a certain point. But I think I think we're, you know, moving in the right direction uh, with our schools. But we need to keep moving more in that direction. Right. But I will add, I'm a piano player. So I guess if I had another, if I could do two things, <laughs> but I guess I'd put, put a Steinway in every venue. <laughs> How's
0: that? <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. As a, a student from Oberlin College, that that really resonates for me. Oh, wonderful. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that wouldn't be too bad.
0: <laughs> no, no, not too shabby. For listeners out there, uh, Oberlin College is famous for having a music conservatory at which many students from all over the world study jazz music. And one of the benefits of being a college student at Oberlin College is that there are Steinways in many of the buildings uh, just at the ready for these amazing students to practice on. So
1: that's a wonderful place. One of our faculty members, Paul Silberkleit, amazing jazz guitarist, studied at Oberlin. Mm. He's an alum. And um, I was mentioning Gerald Cannon earlier, mm-hmm. who is from Milwaukee and a good friend of ours and a and, and mentor of ours. He's an incredible bassist who's been in New York for many years and has worked with Roy Hargrove and Elvin Jones and McCoy Tyner and you name it. Uh, he's a professor of bass there currently awesome. It's a great place. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for your thoughts today, Mark. This is really exciting. And I look forward to our listeners diving in and learning more about Milwaukee Jazz Institute and maybe even joining the ensemble on the stage.
1: I hope I hope people will check out our website and subscribe, MilwaukeeJazzInstitute.org, ORG. And yeah, we'd love to see anyone and everyone come to one of our events or come to our jam session or or get involved with one of our classes or ensembles.
0: Great, thank you so much.
1: Elizabeth, thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a reading and review, or contact us. Creative MKE is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Elizabeth Gasparka. The show's theme music was written and produced by Bobby Drake. To catch all the latest from Imagine MKE, hit us up at Twitter and Instagram at imagine underscore MKE, or Facebook. Imagine MKE.